Hello, how are you? I hope you're having a fantastic day. I am back in the office on the farm. Um, if you follow along in real time and you listen to this, uh, these, these podcast episodes in real time too, um, I've been on the road for like the majority of this year so far, girl. And I got to tell you, even though I have had some tremendous experiences this spring already and the adventure season is not over yet. I've I've met tremendous people. I've like seen some amazing, amazing farms um, of all sizes in all capacities in many of the different corners of the country. But I tell you what, there is nothing quite like snuggling with your dog in your own bed and waking up and going through your own morning coffee rituals in your own kitchen and communicating and like joking around with your own farm crew and like it's there's no place no place quite like home but unfortunately I don't have my red pleasers on right now so I'll have to save that visual for another time anyway so lovely to see you thank you for being here um if you're new here welcome to organized chaos <laughs> and if you've been here before you know the drill so um this is the between me and drew podcast uh with yours truly drew um and um yeah i'm i'm here back at the farm in the office cranking away getting caught up from the past week and taking some time to visit with you um Clara Joyce Flowers is my specialty cut flower farm located in the northwest corner of Illinois. Um, we're kind of divided and faceted, and faceted into three main components. Um, we are a wholesale production farm for uh, flowers and foliage for Chicago, primarily, uh, event florists um, and a few production florists in the city. We also ship wholesale product um, across the country, yes, but, but primarily focus on the Midwest region. Uh, we also do our own wedding and event production. Um, we'll do between 60 and 75 weddings every season. And our main wedding season is starting here in just the next few weeks. Um, once we get into April, we really start hitting the events heavy. And then the final facet is uh, young plants and tubers, um, where we ship product that we produce and process here on the farm across the country. Um, that looks like dahlia tubers, rooted dahlia cuttings, and rooted chrysanthemum cuttings as well. So that's who we are that's what we do um and uh i'm excited for today's topic which is what to know when beginning floristry and i want to kind of um approach this subject uh with with weddings in mind um when i got started in actually the way that I found myself in the floral industry, um, the first place, was through um, 4-H. And if you're not familiar with 4-H, uh, it's a youth-based organization um, that was at one point in time primarily focused on um, agricultural youth from rural America. Um, however, the organization is, is much, much different now. Um, we. FFA, or 4-H does cover and focus ag-oriented uh, areas, yes, but many other things, um, communication, public presentation, finance, health, business, all of the things. Um, it's an organization that really has uh, evolved with the times very, very well. Um, but 
when I was, you know, an active member when I was younger, um, because it is, you're only allowed to be in until you're 18 and then, then you get the boot. Um, anyway, um, I was doing vegetable production and exhibition, um, but also floral design, um, and floral specimen exposition as well. Um, so that was a, a lot of fun. Definitely learned a lot um, through hands-on experience with design and, and layout and, and all the things. Um, so very, very fortunate uh, to have that kind of foundation. But the work that I was doing and the, what I was learning through 4-H is what really got me my job, um, my first job at the first flower shop that I worked at. Um, and we kind of joked, but I mean, there was a lot of truth to the, the, the fact or the statement of, kind of our, our training was you you just started um, and you were basically, you know, fielding orders, working with customers right away, running the registers right away. You know, you we would get like a wedding contract on a Monday and we would have to have that completed by Friday. Um, and looking back at certain points, I was like, what the hell? And then now I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, that was brilliant. Like, it's a really, really great way to um, kind of test and see just how much and how far and how competent your, you know, new employees are. Um, and the the training was kind of learn as you go. Um, and uh, it wasn't all bad at all. Um, and there was a lot of things that I learned very quickly. A lot of the, the hacks and the things that we still do today are from that learning by doing process um, that, you know, I was able to grasp through 4-H and FFA, um, but more so refine and hone in on in a real life work setting. Um, that first, um, flower shop job then turned into another one. Um, and then from there kind of jumped in and, uh, did it on my own. Um, I never went to school per se for design or working with retail customers or weddings or anything. It was all just the the physical act of doing, immersing yourself in the industry, and figuring out what works well for you. Because what I do might not be, and I can promise you, it's not the same that everybody else does in their shops and in their studios. Um, we all handle clients differently. We all have different expectations for our clients. And the overall experience and product is very, very different from one florist to another. Um, so what we're going to talk about and some of the things that I've learned along the way, um, are not endorsed by anyone. This is not published. This is not peer reviewed. This is just some random white kid from Illinois talking into a microphone in his office on a cloudy day and you're listening to it. So that's what we've got going on. Um, I am excited to to dive in and get this rolling. So I think without any further ado, we've effectively wasted seven minutes and 20 seconds on this intro. So <laughs> let's get started. Um, and I think the first thing that we're going to, we need to talk about um, as far as, you know, what to know or remember when you're beginning floristry and really working with any floral clients is that as unfriendly and unhappy as this may appear and come across, you're going to have pissed off people. There's no way around it. In this industry, you are working with humans, 
real live humans. Sometimes they're dead, but you're, you have real live people that you're working with, both from supplier perspective, employee perspective, and client perspective. And at some point, something is going to happen where something doesn't go right. And there is nothing you can do about it because that's just how this works, okay? Sometimes life throws you a beautiful case of imported roses, and sometimes that same box is going to come in deader than shit, and you got to work with it. Sometimes you're going to work through a consultation process, think you're in perfect alignment with what your customer wants. You send them a proposal, and then they tell you that they hate it, and they want tight grocery store roses, and that they're mad that you wasted their time. And when that happens, you just got to cut the cord, girl. Say, you know what? We're not a great fit. Have a great day. That's going to happen. Unfortunately, sometimes and hopefully very, very rarely, something else might happen where you have a, a, a customer who's not happy with what was delivered. They're, you know, They had a different expectation than what you produced. So then you get to navigate that as well. Um, and and I, I truly genuinely think that, that that concept of being comfortable and confident in your skill and your ability, but also understanding that you're going to have to navigate situations like this was something that I was not mentally and emotionally and personally prepared for. Like, I can wholeheartedly tell you that with a lot of confidence. Um, and th- I had an employee at one point in time um, – come to me and say, you know, I don't really like when you post on social media um, experiences or poor, poor experiences um, when when customers aren't happy. And we I don't really do this a lot, but I think it, it is important to kind of remind people that we're human and whatever. Um, and an employee went on to say that it, it makes you sound bratty. Um, and I kind of took that to heart. Um, and I kind of, I, I definitely sat with it, navigated it a lot, thought about it. And, and where I came to was that I just genuinely care. You know, as, as business owners and as someone who has, you know, devoted a lot of their life to this, to getting to where I am now, I take things to heart. Seriously. So if something doesn't go right or if someone something someone isn't happy or you know something happened it does sit heavy. I don't really love that. Um because this is this is my my job one. This is my business that I've built and continue to build, but this is also like my life. Like I live here. I have to look at the greenhouses every day many times a day. You know, I've, I respond and field emails all the time. I work with customers and clients every day, whether I'm in the office or out of the office. I see it all. I've, I've done it all. I've, you know, gone through every process and every stage of what goes on here at the farm and what's, what it's taken us to get to this point. And I do truly, genuinely, and unarguably take things very seriously. Um, so that, that employee is not here anymore. We've parted ways, etc. Um, but we need to understand that we have to have some sort of 
support system um, or, or ways to navigate or compartmentalize or process immediately those uncomfortable situations. And for me, it's been building that that support network of people where we can vent and talk about and then figure out a solution as far as how to maneuver through that situation that's at hand with, you know, someone who's not quite satisfied. Um, you know, if it's a supplier issue, you know, we need to communicate that immediately because that situation is very, very time sensitive. Um, if it's an employee situation where they're not super happy, you know, unfortunately, you might not be able to communicate that situation openly and freely with other members of your team. You probably shouldn't do that. Um, so you're going to have to, you know, either navigate that personally and internally or reach out to someone outside of your direct business to navigate that with. Um, and if this is a, a, a customer problem, then you definitely should include the other members of your team because they're the ones who are moving through that situation with you. They are on your team for a reason, and it is okay to rely on them for thoughts and, you know, words of support and how to navigate moments like that. Um, on our team, my my, my right-hand girl, uh, Ashley is her name. You've probably heard me talk about her previously. Um, whenever we have a situation where I can't immediately take care of it or it, it sits a little heavy, I go to her right away, and I'm like, okay, Ashley – this is what we got going on. This is the email that we received. This is the the message, whatever, you know, thoughts. And even if we don't come up with something fruitful immediately, it's just that act of sharing and communicating and not having to feel so isolated when it comes to uh, developing a response that just makes it a lot easier to kind of maneuver through that process. Um, I've, I've learned about myself over the years. I've learned about myself, uh, one thing, many things actually, but one of them is that I, I am a social creature for sure. As introverted, as introverted and isolated as I can make myself, uh, feel over the summer, I, I have to communicate things with people. I have to physically talk about them. I have to, you know, have that vocal both in my head, but also coming out of me um, in order to really, you know, look at a situation from many different perspectives um, and and come up with the, the best possible response um, from that, that moment in that situation. Um, and not everyone is that way. So if you're not that kind of person and, and you can, you know, maneuver yourself through situations like that internally, that's great. It's going to make the process a lot faster for you. But <laughs> not all of us are like that. Um, so that's that's point number one you know just truly understand that there are going to be times when you you have to make a decision on you know what is what is your response you know how are you handling a situation what does that look like for you and and how are you moving forward um second thing you need to remember when you're getting into floristry is this stuff takes money this is this is an investment rich business and some people can tell you otherwise um they can they can tell you that you know you don't have to have a lot of overhead when it comes to flowers um especially sometimes with like um the event industry which i think that's a huge crock of shit um doesn't matter if you're doing grocery store or not grocery store if you're doing like happy birthday bouquets or if you're doing 
full-size blown-out weddings, you are going to always have some form of overhead. And a lot of times, for a lot of people in the industry, that looks like maintaining an inventory of vessels, containers, supplies, tools, other assorted mechanics, um, cooler space. So all of those physical things, smaller things, things you can pick up and move, um, takes money. That It takes investment. And you can build that organically through, you know, working and, and procuring clients who you can, you know, make money off of and then invest that money back into your business. Yes. Um, but it's a slower process to do it. And that's how I did it. Um, and it, it takes time. You know, I look at farms and, and designers who will get and procure, you know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar loan uh, to build their business, to invest in infrastructure like coolers and processing stations and equipment, um, and then also be able to procure in some form or capacity uh, a physical space. You know, I'm very, very, very fortunate here on the farm to have had access to our pack shed and our design studio. Um, before we were doing flowers here full-time, I was running a, a, a part-time vegetable operation on the farm, yes, but um, that was a whole other thing. But the the studio that we work out of was a glass-blowing studio. You know, our family did glass work um, for 16 years before um, I, I took over that space for flowers. So actually, if you were to ever visit uh, the studio, above our big walk-in cooler in the studio, you will see... Um, racks and racks of glass and display equipment and, you know, everything that we used. Um, so what I'm getting at is I had access to that physical space. I didn't have to start renting something immediately. Um, right now, the situation here on the farm is a rent to own. Um, so eventually, in time, um, all of this will be mine, but I am renting it. Um, so I, I am paying every month um, to be able to have access to the space and the infrastructure that we have. So there's cost there again. Um, so before you just dive in and, and quit your job and send me a message and say, I'm quitting my full-time job with benefits to become a floral designer. I'm going to say, girlfriend, what the fuck? Like, did you think about this? And, you know, you really have to kind of plan and prepare and save and invest slowly unless you're going balls to the wall and you can get a loan. And if you can get a loan and you feel comfortable and confident in your skills and ability and in yourself to pay that back and then more, go for it, girl. Go for it. You know, it's going to be the best learning opportunity. It's going to be the best schooling of your life. You're going to have a great time. You're going to cry a lot, but keep on trucking. So, so far we've got, um, unhappy people. <laughs> we have this shit takes money. Um, and the last thing we're going to talk about is make it your own. Okay. There is no prize. There is no golden sticker. There is no super mega all-stars legend pin at the end of this. If you're just copying someone else's shit. Okay. Um, I think from a societal perspective, we're all kind of tired of the copy and paste tight grocery store rose bouquet um, that you can buy from any wholesaler pre-made, chop it apart and stick it in a vase. 
Um, I think society is is getting very tired of the copy and paste wire service stuff that never looks the way it is sold um, because the florist isn't actually making any money. It's the wire service that's making the money. Um, We're tired of that. Okay. So make it unique. Make it different. Make it cool. Make it your own. Find your groove. Become an expert at that. And then you will be fine. Okay. I cannot tell you when I was really getting into independent floral design, not working for another shop, how many times I had to like tell a client that I don't have a reference photo for what your funeral arrangement is going to look like, but I can promise you it's going to be cool and it's going to have these colors in it. And that was where I had to quit. Like I didn't have the book from Teleflora where I can be like, oh yes, on page 54, you're going to have yellow rose garden, blah, 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 happy bouquet. No, that's not what I do. Give me a budget. What color palette do you want? Is there a vibe and aesthetic we're shooting for? Here's what I do. Trust me. Okay. And that was where I left it. And there were times where people loved it. And it was amazing. And I got the best feedback about how unique and cool and textural and masculine inspired and whatever, whatever. And there were times where people were not happy. They were like, I don't love this. This looks messy. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, we're probably not going to work together again. Um, I'm not going to give you a refund because I, I did the job. Um, and uh, I'm really sorry. And there were, and that you just, you have to understand, it goes back to point number one, you are going to have to navigate that situation at some point in time, whether it happens early on or it happens later. But now that I've, I've, we've done that, we've, we've gone through the, the points and times when, you know, people didn't know what to expect and I delivered something and they weren't in love. And then, you know, I kept doing that enough where People now come to us for a weird design, something looser, natural, more organic. Um, I can comfortably and wholeheartedly tell you that before we started doing and making our own kind of name or brand, there was not a lot of loose, natural, organically inspired floral design in our area. Um it was all very, very traditional florist, which is it, it was there. It served a purpose and it still continues to serve a purpose because there is a part of our society and demographic who loves that. And that's great and fantastic. And I'm so glad that those florists are there to facilitate that need because not everyone can or wants to produce that on a daily basis. Um, so what my my point is, is and what I'm trying to get at is that if you can find a groove, whether it's you have perfected the bud vase and you sell, you know, curated bud vase collections for, you know, an anniversary, or you're really fucking good at making gorgeous hand-tied bouquets um, that stand perfectly on their own and you can deliver them in a, a shallow glass tray and they're, they're a work of art, or, you know, whatever whatever it is, that you do and you've committed the time and you've committed, you know, yourself to becoming an expert 
in that field or that design style or that method of communication or that customer process, you know, make it yours, be fucking good at it. And then people will, will learn. And then they will come to you for that because once they know that that service or that product or that experience is there, word will travel. Okay. And you can advertise on Instagram and you can advertise on Facebook and you can advertise in the local paper and you can do a radio ad and you can do a whatever, but it takes people recognizing you and your skill and your ability in order to build a brand. Yes, it does take social media and it, it, it well, it doesn't have to, but it can, um, it, it can take all those other things too, but unless people know you recognize what you have to contribute and want to support that spending four grand on flowers every week, isn't going to help anybody with jack shit unless you can produce a product with it and sell it in order to sell it. It takes people. And when you're working with people, you're going to, you know, have to work with those uncomfortable situations and you're going to have to invest and you're going to have to be an expert. And those are the three things that are truly in my mind and from my perspective, the most important things to remember when it comes to getting into floristry and building a brand in the floral world. Okay. There's no reward for copy paste. I'm sorry. It's been done before. Make it your own, make it unique. And have fun doing it. Like, if you fucking hate your job, people are going to know. Like, I promise you that <laughs> this is funny as shit. This is hilarious. There's a flower shop, I'm not saying which one, um, in our area, who has an employee who has been there for a very long time. Let's call her Amber. That is not her name, okay? Let's say <laughs> Amber is a bitch. And Amber has been there for a very long time. And I cannot tell you how many people have worked with this flower shop and specifically Amber. And then will bring Amber up in conversation with me <laughs> about how much they don't like working with Amber. Um, so if you hate your job, people will know. So try and pretend otherwise or just don't do that. You know, if you don't love it, you're going to die anyway. So why do something that you hate? you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, enough rambling. Look at us go. We're going to keep this episode under 30 minutes. Um, super, super stoked. Um, anyway, next week we're going to talk about wedding season organization. We are quickly approaching wedding season here. So we've got lots and lots of things to cover and discuss and, you know, stockpiling and preparing and all of the things. So, um, come back next week. We'll talk about all of that. Um, and then, Da, 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 other things i'm looking at the schedule right now next week is wedding stuff um and then we get into crop planning propagation uh labor oh my goodness can you believe this in one two three four in four weeks we start grower interviews i'm so excited so sneak peek over the past trips few trips that have been going on um every now and then i'll record a podcast along the way um, and I'm very, very excited uh, to kind of start to work these episodes in one or two at a time. Um, they're not going to be back-to-back -back weeks usually. There will be, you know, some time in between, um, in between those to add a few little nuggets. 
<laughs> here and there. So um, I'm not going to say who the first one is, but I can remember recording this and we were both drunk, not drunk, drunk, but mildly intoxicated. And it's so fucking funny. Anyway, we'll get to that later. Um, have a good week. Have a great day. Uh, thanks for being here. You can follow us on social media. Um, all that information is in, in the description for this podcast. If you have questions, you can send me an email. Um, website has got merch, plants, tubers, all the things on it. Um, we can You can order now. We'll ship it to you in the spring. Um, and depending on your streaming platform for today's episode, please feel free to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast to be notified when new episodes are available, which, lucky for you, is every Friday, usually in the morning. And uh, that's the tea. I'll see you next week. Bye.